Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. This is the California Report. Good morning. I'm Lily Jamali. Governor Gavin Newsom and state lawmakers have reached a deal on reopening schools to the state's youngest students by the end of this month. Politico is reporting the agreement doesn't require schools to reopen. Instead, it offers financial incentives to those that do. Those schools stand to get a cut of $6.5 billion earmarked by the state legislature. The deal would not mandate students and staff to get vaccinated before returning to the classroom, nor does it require districts to get approval from teachers' unions before returning. Details have been confirmed by two state officials speaking with the Associated Press, and we are expecting to hear from Governor Newsom and state lawmakers on this this morning at 11 o'clock. Governor Gavin Newsom announced an initiative last week to get more farm workers vaccinated against COVID-19 as part of his plan to make distribution more equitable. Valley Public Radio's Mari Balaños reports that farm workers in the Valley are showing interest in getting the vaccine, but they say information about how to get it is scarce. Armando Celestino walks between rows of grapevines in a Madera County vineyard. He's handing out small Ziploc bags to farm workers filled with hand sanitizers, masks, and information on the COVID-19 vaccine. Hola, buenas tardes. Uh, mi nombre es Armando y venimos de Centro Binacional. Celestino works with Centro Binacional, a community organization that assists those who speak indigenous languages like Mixteco and Hipoteco. When Celestino hands a bag to Bernardino Cruz, Cruz stops trimming the vines and turns to speak with him. Celestino asks Cruz a series of questions. His name, his age, what languages he speaks, is work going well? Finally, he asks Cruz if he is interested in getting the vaccine. Well, I think yes, because, well, thank God I haven't gotten COVID, so yes. Cruz says it's his first time being approached about the vaccine, so he's not sure what the process entails. Celestino says many farm workers don't know what to expect. That's why we also ask if they're open to attending a meeting, where we can also have a specialist talk to them and give them the reassurance they need. He says meetings like that are especially important for those who have encountered misinformation from their social circles, social media, and even certain news sites. A lot of negative stuff. Like they say the vaccine has a chip. Also that the vaccine kills people, that's why they're afraid to take it. Still, Madeline Harris with the Leadership Council for Justice and Accountability says her organization has seen high levels of interest in getting the vaccine among farm workers. But she's concerned that local health departments often send out notices about vaccine appointments online or via automated text. It shouldn't be the system for getting folks vaccinated. 
because farm workers live in rural areas with poor internet access, she says, and spots fill up in minutes. When Governor Newsom stopped in Madeira to speak with the Leadership Council and Centro Binacional last week, Harris says they told him it's crucial for the state and county to partner with community organizations. Harris also says vaccine distributors should refrain from requiring pay stubs because many farm workers are undocumented and paid in cash. Back in Madeira, farm worker Andres Ramirez swiftly clips the tiny branches off of the grapevines. He pauses to talk about how he, his wife, and his three children contracted COVID in late December. It hit all of us, and we all came out of it around the same time, except for my wife. She is still not doing well. He says she still struggles to catch her breath. Still, he says he doesn't want to risk getting COVID again, so he's interested in taking the vaccine despite what he's heard from his community. A lot of people say it's not good, but with a lot of people getting it and not dying, it looks like if it's working. But like others, he says he's not sure where to go to get the vaccine. For The California Report, I'm Mari Bolaños in Fresno. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find the link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. Three women janitors from Fresno have won a settlement in a case against the nation's largest cleaning company, ABM. As the California Report's Sasha Coca explains, the company's been sued repeatedly for failing to protect women from rape and assault. One of the plaintiffs in the case, Araceli Sanchez, says she endured 14 years of harassment while cleaning buildings, including sexual assault and attempted rape by her supervisor while working the night shift. 
He made me feel like a piece of trash, like I wasn't worth anything, Sanchez says. Twice, he threatened that if I told anybody, he would kill me. The company never told us we had any rights. ABM was a focal point of KQED's groundbreaking investigation, Rape on the Night Shift, produced in 2015. We collaborated with Reveal from the Center for Investigative Reporting, PBS Frontline, Univision, and UC Berkeley's investigative reporting program to uncover years of sexual harassment complaints against ABM. This new settlement requires ABM janitorial operations in California to develop more robust safety protocols, including things like using a buddy system to pair up workers when dropping off supplies, and creating goals of hiring and promoting more women to supervisory positions. For the California Report, I'm Sasha Coca. Attorneys searching for migrant parents whose children were taken away from them at the border under former President Donald Trump's zero-tolerance policy have made significant progress. KQED's Michelle Wiley reports the parents of 112 separated children have been found over the last month. A federal judge in San Diego, Dana Sabra, applauded the progress in finding missing parents and said he felt encouraged that the Biden administration's newly announced task force on separated families appears to be in line with the ongoing reunification efforts of a lawsuit he's overseeing. But Sabra said the court should remain involved in the process, and he asked that the task force begin providing him updates on its actions. Advocates are still searching for the families of 499 children and believe many of the parents were deported back to Central America. Attorneys for the government say they'll provide an update on the task force in March. For the California Report, I'm Michelle Wiley. We're going to turn now to an investigation by the Fresno Bee, which finds that black drivers in Fresno are stopped by police at twice the rate of white and Latino drivers. They were also searched and arrested more than other races. Manuela Tobias is the reporter who analyzed police data from the first half of last year. She joins us now. And Manuela, you crunched the numbers, but you also spoke with black drivers in Fresno. What did they tell you about their experiences? We put out a survey as soon as we got the data and got about 100 responses from across Fresno. And specifically, the Black drivers we heard from told us they had had pretty bad experiences with police. Generally, the story that I heard over and over was people were stopped for one reason, which they didn't really find valid, and then were told that the real reason they were stopped was that the police were looking for a stolen vehicle or something other than what they had originally been told they were stopped for. So these experiences have really built distrust among Black drivers, and that's a sense that we got from speaking with them. Yeah, and your piece outlines how Black drivers are more than twice as likely as white drivers to have stops that result in either no action or just a warning. You have a new police chief where you are in Fresno, Paco Balderrama. What did he say when you asked him if there's bias in his department? So specifically about racism or unconscious bias, he said that was vastly a minority of police officers. When I asked why these numbers don't add up, why there's so many more stops and arrests and searches on black drivers' cars, he said that that matched the racial makeup of the neighborhoods and gangs in Fresno that contribute to the most amount of crime, basically saying that 
the areas of Southwest and Southeast Fresno, where the police find more crime is also where they have more encounters with drivers who happen to also more often be black. And you've reported that activists aren't satisfied with the answers that they are getting from the police department. You know, there's been a lot of talk about police reform in Fresno after the killing of George Floyd in Minneapolis by police last year. Where do those talks stand? Right now, the uh, city council approved the, um, the a big report came out in November where activists and city leaders put together a list of 73 recommendations to improve the trust among community and improve policing for Fresno. Those recommendations have been approved by the city council and now they're being reviewed in what can be a pretty long process. The police chief did seem very uh, committed to implementing a lot of those recommendations. He said that by the end of the year, they hope to implement about 20 of them. Some he was more excited than others. And there's already implicit bias training at the police department. They plan to have more of that. All right. Manuela Tobias is a reporter at the Fresno Bee. Thank you so much for your reporting. Of course. Thank you. And that is the California Report for this Monday, March 1st. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Lily Jamali. Thanks so much for listening. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. Personal Capital, helping people take control of their finances with financial tools and objective advice from a fiduciary advisor, personalcapital.com. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Ocean Institute, working to advance the frontiers of ocean research, sharing the connection between life on land and life at sea with everyone everywhere. Hi, I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse, golden state. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. Get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.